Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. This is our Thursday preview. We have Jimmy Conrad to preview, of course, the club World Cup final. Tigres against Bayern Munich, the first CONCACAF team to make it to the final against the giant, the Goliath, that is Bayern Munich. We also have FA Cup action and, of course, Copa del Rey. And Jimmy Conrad joins as we begin Kego Lasso right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golazo. This is our Thursday preview with my man, Jimmy Conrad. I feel like he's my brother now. Jimmy, what's up, man? What's up? We're definitely brothers. We're definitely going through this journey and together, this adventure I wanted to add. And so are our listeners. So it's very cool for everybody that's been with us in the very start and anybody that's joining in. Welcome to the club. We are happy to have you. Absolutely. Welcome to the club. A club, by the way, Jimmy, that's just growing and growing. And we thank everybody for their support, uh, whether you're listening on your favorite platform or on cbssports.com or on YouTube. Uh, it's really great to see. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to grow the show. But we are growing little by little. And no, I mean, honestly, Jimmy's here, like basically with me almost every single time. And it's so great to see. So, Jimmy, how are you, brother? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. I have some fun off the fields, let's say, uh, stuff that's going on. Um, but yeah, ultimately, i just grateful to be able to talk about the beautiful game with my brother. That's that's what I want. Big hugs here, everybody. We're just a lot, a lot of sentiment, sentimentality. I don't know if I said that right. I can't even, English yeah, is my no, first language. Fine. English is my first language and I can't even speak it. Hey, don't so. tell me that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, nothing but love here. And that's what we aim to do uh, every single episode, just uh, give you some news, betting info, analysis, fun, but also just make you feel part of the community. And with that being said, of course, this is our Thursday preview. We're going to talk about the Club World Cup final, of course, as Tigres uh, face Bayern Munich. We have some FA Cup as well as uh, Copa del Rey as well. But before we do all that, we wanted to begin, obviously, with, you know, latest news and things that are going around the world of soccer. Jimmy, we wanted to talk about uh, a little bit uh, about Jurgen Klopp. Uh, obviously, both Jimmy and I uh, send our condolences to him and his family as the news comes out that his 81-year-old uh, mother, Elizabeth, passed away. But what makes this even more tragic, as, as if that wasn't tragic enough, he obviously can't leave the UK. He wasn't able to leave the UK for the funeral to head to Germany due to the COVID-related uh, travel restrictions. And I wanted to bring this up, uh, Jimmy. Uh, both of us really wanted to talk about this, obviously, for that part to just show our love and our condolences uh, to Jurgen Klopp, his family, and, and anybody else, really, uh, that has been dealing uh, with tragedy uh, in these last 11 months or whatever it's been. But also, I think it's worth pointing out something that really just weighs on my mind a lot. And I know that it does uh, with you too. And that's, you know, it's very easy in this fast-paced digital world to, you know, criticize a manager or a player if they miss a shot or an official, as we have seen recently, of course, 
with Mike Dean, uh, you know, just the back and forth, whether it's on Twitter or whatever, it's very easy to sort of desensitize ourselves from the fact that the reality of it all is that we're all human beings and we're all dealing with things outside of whatever it is that you may be seeing from them. Jurgen Klopp's situation is a perfect example. The fact that he's had to deal with this uh, during this time, I think puts a little bit of focus on the fact that we're all human and we're all dealing with tragedy, whether it's directly or non-directly. And sometimes I feel that whenever we think about this, just take a step back and appreciate the fact that, you know, we're all in this together. And football, honestly, soccer is really not important. It's just not in comparison to what really matters, which is just being kind to one another. Uh, you know, what happened to Jurgen Klopp actually happened to me. My father passed away uh, when I was in the U.S., just literally applying for, you know, my, uh, you know, my uh, status to just be here permanently. And if I left, the entire process would fall down. And, and I didn't leave. Uh, I didn't go to the funeral because of that. And, and I think about that stuff every single day. And so when I read Jurgen Klopp's situation, it, it just, it really hurt me. And it, and, it, and I really uh, sympathized with it. And I just, I just thought it was worth mentioning because at the end of the day, no matter who you root can, for. Can I jump? I got to jump in yeah. really quick. Uh, with regard to your dad, I mean, have you, have you forgiven yourself for that? Cause I feel like there'd be a lot of guilt associated with that situation that you were in. And I'm sure you're, people listening have been in similar situations and it's, it's a tough one. So I, I, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I haven't really uh, forgiven myself yet. I feel that that will never go away in, yeah. in a way. Uh, I remember talking to him on the phone, the very last moments before he passed, like, you know, we came together and, and said, we love each other and everything. And, and, and he, he, he wanted me to be where I was. He was like, you're not coming anywhere near here and that killed me you know and i don't think i'm ever going to forgive myself for that but, but i think that's what it, i mean in some ways to, to i know it's going to be hard as a child to to not be there for your parents when they're passing away which is a crummy part about this whole part of life but i would say uh it seemed like he had he was at peace that you were doing what he wanted you what wanted you to do and where you where he wanted you to be so i think you should take a little bit of that peace with you no, I appreciate my two that. Cents. Therapy, Jimmy, therapist, Jimmy over here. <laughs> Therapy, Jimmy wins every time. But anyway, <laughs> that was my side. I really wanted, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the words. Uh, and I totally agree. Um, but I wanted to now throw it to you because I think it's worth talking about, not just about sure. what happened to Jurgen Klopp, which is obviously so sad, but also just how you relate to it as a former professional uh, and somebody in the industry. Yeah, I got a story that I think will resonate, uh, hopefully with you, not not like for like with your situation. And again, I'm sorry that uh, that is something that would be pretty heavy and I'm sure you would carry with you. So we can talk about that off, off, uh, <laughs> off the show. With regard to Jurgen Klopp, I, he's in a tough spot. I want to start there because it would be really easy for him to say, hey, everybody, you know, two or three weeks ago when he started to really get I guess he's been a little bit on edge, it feels like, with him this, this season. Even when Virgil van Dyke was healthy, there was still – he didn't seem right. Now, whether – I don't know how long this process was, was with his mother and maybe not doing well, but he maintained his professionalism when it would have been very easy for him to come out and say, my mom, my mom's sick, you know, and I, I, it's very hard for me. So – and everybody would have been like, cool, we got it. You know, there wouldn't be any barbs from any other managers. Everybody would just would have taken a step back. I'm sure he would have got a lot of more like softball questions. Everybody would have been a lot more understanding. And so he doesn't seem like a, he wants to maintain his professionalism, keep 
keep church and state, right? Family and, and work separate. And now when you look about, when you look back on it and you have that context, you can completely understand why he bristled at just basic stupid questions, which is when he went after a journalist. And even though we have the right as people that are watching to say, that's not cool. Uh, from a professional standpoint, to your point, we don't know what's going on with him behind the scenes on a personal level. So it's tough. I, I don't envy that spot for him. You know, they waited until after she passed and after they had the funeral to actually announce she passed away on Tuesday, uh, if I'm not mistaken, today's Wednesday. So maybe they had the funeral on Tuesday, but she had passed before that. So there's obviously a lot of thought behind uh, the situation. And uh, to your point, very devastating that he couldn't be there to, to honor her, very similar to you. So I think you can relate to it like for like with, with Jurgen Klopp and still trying to maintain your professional. There's a lot of emotion, I think, wrapped into that. So yeah, of course, we're, we're there with him, but I, 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 God, what a hard spot for him to be in. And I wonder how that's gonna impact the rest of the season. And, and I'll say this too, I think all the guy wanted, right? You say sports, they don't matter ultimately, but they are, in a, they are a form of escapism. And so he probably needed that too. And he just needed some breaks to go his way. He just needed to feel good about his team and they're getting zero breaks to go his way. And so you have that going on with his team, which is probably mirroring in some ways and reflecting his personal life. And he's just like, I, can I get a break? You know, and, and that must be really, really hard. And, and that for a guy that's just so happy and such a positive force for good in this world, it's, it's very, it's sad to see him having to kind of face up to some very strong difficulties, both professionally and personally. So I'll stay there. With regard to me, I had a personal story that maybe I shouldn't share, but I'm gonna share it anyway, because if it can help somebody down the line, I think that's important. Uh, and I know we're gonna get into the previews and get back to our jokey selves here in, in a little bit. But in 2007, I had my, my first baby. Well, I didn't have it, that would be weird, but my wife had it <laughs> and she was just a tough baby that first, eight or nine months were very difficult. She didn't sleep very well. Obviously that it really impacts and changes your marriage um, and, and the way you communicate and, and, and you know, that, that uh, not having free time or you had a ton of free time. Then you realize I don't have any free time anymore. Like everything changes in your life and you're trying to balance all these things. And it was very difficult. And so the end of 07, I was just tired and I needed a break. Like I had played nonstop World Cup in 06, you know, through the national team through the summer. Like I was nonstop and I just worn out. And I called, Bob Bradley was a coach at the time. And we got on the phone, we talked for 45 minutes and I let him know that I need a break. And I, I, I thought because he was a dad of three that he would understand where I was coming from as a new, new father myself. And in fairness to him, you know, he's looking at the team, he's looking at the future, he's looking for World Cup qualifying. He's thinking about the team. And I just needed him to think about me as a human being. And it, the conversation changed quite quickly to, hey, well, you're, so you're, you're behind Michael Parkhurst on the depth chart and you know these other guys. And like, okay, I understand you're trying to motivate me to come into camp in January and I, I get all that and, and, and I wanna be there, but I just, I just know that I'm not in a good space and I just need a mental break. Like I just need a physical and mental break to just not have to be on as a professional athlete. And after the 45 minutes, he's like, well, let me know, you know? And I said, listen, I, I just, I'll lay, I'll lay down on railroad tracks for you. If you, if you can just hear the fact that I, I don't want to come into the January camp, I just need some time off. And for World Cup qualifying, I'll be ready to go in 08 and whatever, anything going forward, I'll be ready. And he just wasn't hearing it. And that was kind of the start of our little bit of a, a beef between him and I was this, because he wasn't listening to me. So after I got off the phone, I called my wife and she's like, he's clearly challenging you. You should go in, meet the challenge and go into camp and see how you do. I go into camp, January camp. And, and so I call him back. So I'll start there. I'll call him back and say, 
all right, Bob, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, kind of uh, embody the same attitude and enthusiasm that you guys know. All right, cool. I'm going to flip the switch and I'm going to be ready to go. No break. I'm just going to keep <laughs> pulling through, even though I knew deep down I needed, I needed some time. So I go into this camp and I have the worst three weeks of my life. I was terrible. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get engaged. I couldn't attack it in the same way that I'd done in the past because I had, I was carrying something. So let's fast forward to the end of camp when he's going to name the team that goes to play against Mexico and Houston it ended up being like a two, two game or whatever. And I don't get named in the team. So now you, you, you can sense, I just killed myself for three weeks, tried to push through this thing I was going through. And I didn't even get to go to the end. I didn't even get rewarded with, with this, this sacrifice that I made when I didn't want to, be, when I wasn't, my heart wasn't there where it needed to be. And so this kind of speaks to, to players and coaches as humans. And when he told me, I just started crying, dude. I could not stop crying. And I couldn't explain it. And I felt like the, the uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's all right. No, it's all right. Take your time. I felt vulnerable. And that's not the um, embodiment of what a national team player should do. And I didn't, after that, I didn't get called in for 18 months. And I was never going to get on the World Cup team after that. I just wanted to see the guy to see me as a human being. <laughs> I want to start laughing because dude, it's been like 10 years, over 10 years. And it still hurts. Of course it does. So anyway, it's not as heavy as your stuff for sure. Nobody died that or Jurgen Klopp's of course, but, but uh, it's still like we're human beings. We're going through stuff off the field and that does impact what happens on the fields in your professional career. And that's it. I'm ready to get jokey again. Well, First of all, I want to thank you for your bravery. I want to thank you for that story. I don't think you should ever, even for a second, think that it's a minimization compared to death or anything, because it's 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 yours, and it's it's a very powerful story, and and it's one that's needed to be honest, because it's talking about vulnerability, and about something that we forget honestly, something that we truly forget every day, and that's that we're human beings. And whatever you see from us, whether it's, you know, in the industry or not, like we all have moments of weakness and strength. And what you just showed here is complete strength, my friend, my brother. And, and, and thank you for sharing that. And I think it's a very important message. And that's whatever people are going through, remember that there's so much more that you don't know about. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. That was free. I didn't even have to pay anybody to listen to me. So I appreciate that. I'll be charging you at the end of the episode. <laughs> I'll Venmo uh, you. We'll be right back with the preview for Thursday's action. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso, our Thursday preview. And, of course, we talk about action because at the end of the day, Jimmy, we're here to entertain but also to celebrate the beautiful game and the community. And, you know, there's no better person that I'd rather do this than you. And let's begin, Jimmy Conrad, with the yeah. Club World Cup final. Tigres against Bayern Munich. I'm wearing the Mexican national team <laughs> today just because I, I am that. rooting for Tigres so much. I probably have the France uh, shirt underneath for Andre Pierre Gignac. <laughs> this is a game of games. Uh, talk to me about it. Yeah, it's a great one. Obviously, from Tigres' perspective, uh, with the first ever CONCACAF team to be in the Club World Cup final, unfortunately facing the buzzsaw known as Bayern Munich. If Bayern Munich win this, it'll be their sixth trophy under Hansi Flick, which means he's won every single competition that he's been in the first time he's entered into it, which is ridiculous because they just won the UEFA Super Cup and the German Super Cup this year to go along with their treble the year before. So if he wins this, I mean, that is that is unprecedented, I think, in so many different ways. They have the team to do it. They found a way to get past all Ali despite not training before the game due to all their flight issues and adversity they were dealing with. Lewandowski scored both goals. That said, Tigres did pretty well. Not the greatest game against Paul Maris. Uh, Andre Pierzyniak, as you mentioned, scored a penalty in that one. He scored all three goals so far in this competition for Tigres. I suspect, especially because Bayern are good at giving up that first goal. Listen to this value. If Andre Pierzyniak scores first, it's plus 850 on William Hill. I love that. And then if he scores anytime, plus 240. I mean, I think Bayern are going to give up a goal. I think the real safe bet though, because you never bet against Bayern. It's just, it's just, you want to lose money, you bet against Bayern. So I'm just trying to find some fun Geniac ones that have to deal with him scoring, not Tigres necessarily winning. Bayern to win. Both teams to score plus 163, I think is the safest bet. If you want to take it that next step, Lewandowski to score, Bayern to win both teams to score is plus 250, which feels pretty good. And then if you want to say, all right, I like this Geniac action. Geniac to score, Bayern to win both teams to score is plus 400. I'm looking at that stuff. I think Bayern's going to win this 3-1, 2-1. I do think that Tigres will hit the board. They might even hit the board first. But Bayern are just too strong in so many different areas. And they ruled out a really, really strong lineup against Al-Ali. And I was surprised at how strong that lineup was. And I suspect they're going to do the same and really try to go for it and win the sixth trophy. Yeah, yeah. I know it's your head going above everything else, which is so true. You just, it's very difficult to root against Bayern Munich. But my God, Tigres, make this happen. I mean, listen, let's just give the narrative of this for a second, okay? Um, and I'll begin with the two stars. Robert Lewandowski, of course, against Andre Pierre Gignac. It's fair to say, there's an argument to be made, Jimmy Conrad, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We already know that Robert Lewandowski is the best number nine in the world, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, a Ballon d'Or uh, deserved winner, uh, clearly. Uh, you know, it didn't happen, but if it, if it happened, he would have given it to He's just the greatest. But on the other side, if you don't follow Mexican soccer, you need to know that Andre Pierre Gignac is arguably the most important player in that league in the last decade. 
It's, it's, he's that big for that team. Let me just give you some numbers here. Lewandowski, from a Bayern perspective, 275 goals in 316 games. I mean, that's just like ridiculous. Only Gerd Müller uh, has better, and that's because he has double the, the games, right? So obviously, if he just kept going, uh, that could happen. Obviously, it depends on so many things. But from Andre Pierciniak's perspective, 147 goals in 246 matches for Tigres. The all-time scorer for Tigres. Yeah, that's just that's... insanity. Insane. Yeah. So, you know, that's obviously the narrative. There's so many other narratives, of course, uh, the style of play from both sides. Uh, but to me, it's obviously about these two. So, I, yes, my head says Bayern. <laughs> but I, I definitely agree with one thing. I think Bayern is going to concede no matter what. Tigres is just too aggressive, too angry. And Gignac is going to be so up for this that I feel that at least a goal will happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm holding off. I'm going to hand the mic to you for any more. No, thoughts. I, I was just going to say, I was going to concur with your sentiments because I, my head and the betting worlds, the smart play is always Bayern. If, if you want, if you want to have good, smart, sensible plays, you find a little <laughs> bit of action with Bayern included them winning in some capacity, Lewandowski probably scoring. And more often than not, you're going to win money, not lose it. But my heart says Tigres. I would love to see a CONCACAF team come in. And really, I don't even know if they need to win for me to be proud. I just want them to compete and, and yeah. look like they deserve to be out there. I think that's going to start chipping away at all the stereotypes, even though I think that's happening on an individual basis, right? We have Chucky Lozano, who's gone and done his thing. And we got Pulisic and, and Weston McKinney, really, and Serginho Dest. Everybody's trying to break through in their own ways, individualistically. Yeah. Raul Jimenez, right. As a team, yeah, Raul Jimenez, of course. And we can talk about Wolves in a second. But from a team perspective, I still don't know if there's that type of respect. And we need, I, mean, I guess I'm thinking more from an MLS because because the Liga MX teams have played in the Copa Lipidadores. They have done well. Tigres has gotten to a final of the Copa Lipidadores. So they've been in, a, in and around and have, and have proven their worth in, in some in some competitions. But this is something different against Bayern Munich, who are, you know, the European champions. So it, it's going to be a great game. If Tigres can get that early goal and maybe hold them off 1-0 at half and, and make some adjustments, to, 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 to somehow absorb the pressure that Bayern will ultimately put on, then maybe there's a chance. I, I just don't see it. I think Bayern are just too good. Too good. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, go. I'll, I'll just play the other side for a Do second. It. And I'll just say that, you know, if, if Tigres can take them to extra time and even push it to penalties, anything is possible. And I'm going to hopefully say that that will happen. It will be one all all the way through. They'll make it to penalty shootout, mm -hmm. and then Tigres will take it. Obviously, it's just a ridiculous wager here. And follow your brain, everybody. But if you're one of those romantics that thinks, and you know, you're, you're just willing to gamble for the sake of gambling, go for it. But so Jimmy's when, right. It's very it's, difficult. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, Bayern Munich. I just went on FIFA.com FIFA and found this quote from Robert Lewandowski about this game. He says, I think if we win this Club World Cup, it would complete one of the biggest historical achievements in all of football, not just for Bayern or for Germany, but it would be one of the biggest historical achievements from all over the world. Yeah, when they're, they're up for it. <laughs> they're up for it. Yeah. They want to they wanna lock in this sixth trophy. I mean, there's only a handful of teams, and for Hansi Flick in particular, again, that, that would be a manager, unprecedented managerial accolade. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anybody else from Bayern Munich's side, Lewandowski side, that you think can make a difference in this game? Well, Thomas Muller, of course, you know, he isn't around. He, he gets to enjoy the benefits of so much attention being paid to Lewandowski. There's some nice pockets of space 
you know, for, for him to, to operate in, right in front of the back four behind the back, uh, midfield line. You know, yes. any, any Serge Gnabry, you know, I don't know, Coman, uh, Leroy Sané, you know, all these guys. Leon Goretzka is not in the team, so he, he didn't travel. Javi Martinez didn't travel. You know, ha- Alfonso Davies, I mean, <laughs> which name? I could pick any name out of the hat. I could probably name any of them, you know. And uh, Kimmich obviously can from score from distance and really pull the strings from a deep line position. Yeah, any of those names will, will, will probably have an impact, but I think Lewandowski will be the guy that we're seeing on the score sheet at the end of it. Yeah, from Tigres' side, by the way, everybody, they're, you know, aside from their talent and Gignac aside, they're a very experienced team, especially in the midfield. Guido Pizarro, the center midfielder, mm-hmm. Javier Aquino as well. They're both 30-plus. So right. they're not you know, they're not going to succumb to the pressure or the lights or the fact that they're Bayern Munich. In fact, it's going to be the complete opposite. The complete opposite is what I think. So I think this game, if Tigres has any hope, any chance, it'll be, be it'll be because uh, Tuca Ferretti, the manager, will focus so much in the midfield. Just break mm-hmm. everything up in there and then just see what happens. But, you know, um, we'll see. All right. Any lasting words from this one, Jimmy? No. Best of luck to Tigres. <laughs> Buena suerte, amigos. Si se puede. Si se puede. It will be quite a game. All right, let's move on to the FA Cup, everybody. Two games on Thursday. Uh, You mentioned Wolves. Let's talk about Wolves. They're hosting Southampton in an all-Premier League matchup in the FA Cup. Yeah, this is a tough one. Wolves have won just once in their last 10 Premier League games, keeping uh, and actually to keep this trend going, they played against Leicester this past weekend and only registered one shot. Now, I knew Raul Jimenez was an incredibly important part of the team. I didn't realize he was this incredibly important so I don't know where Wolves are really going to generate that type of magnetism let's say that Raul Jimenez brought and his mere presence they did go get William Jose from Real Sociedad he has actually done quite well in his three games he hasn't scored but he did draw a red card against David Luiz for all you Arsenal fans out there you probably don't like William Jose or maybe it's the referees you don't like and I and I get it but but he is combining very well, and it does help that he speaks Portuguese because it's pretty much the Portuguese national team wolves. So, yeah. so he, I think, is due for a goal. He finds himself in pretty good spots, but right now I feel like he's been better at holding up the play, so we'll see if he gets on. I think he's my key player to watch for wolves uh, in this game. For Southampton, though, they're not doing much better. As we got, as we've already talked about, they lost to, to Manchester United 9-0, but they followed that up by losing to Newcastle 3-2. And I don't know which what, what's more embarrassing, frankly, because I think losing to Newcastle is a lot more embarrassing than giving up an early red card uh, two minutes into Manchester United and then getting, getting smashed. In both games, though, we could argue they gave up in different ways. They're a little vulnerable right now. They've lost five straight games. They were the talk of the Premier League for a little while. Ralph Husenhuddle was like the best manager of all time, even escaping our lips. You know, Luis, we were talking about how he was really like, wow, this, this guy's turned it around. And now they're kind of back to where they were before. We'll see if he can do it once again. Danny Ings, though, for me, is the key guy. He started the season red hot, six goals in his first eight games. He was second to Jamie Vardy in the Premier League last season for the Golden Boot with 22. Vardy had 23. He scored only once in his last 10 games, Luis. And he that was five games ago. So he is due to score. So Danny Ings and William Jose, whoever kind of hits the score sheet, I think is going to lead their team. I think it's going to be a one zero result ultimately. And then I'll, I'll get you get, I'll get you guys the odds after this, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this game. No. Yeah. I mean, everything that you've just said, I'll also add by the way that they play each other again on Sunday as well. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, which will be a question to you in a second is 
how much does Hasenhutl really prioritize the FA Cup? Because at one point, you know, he was hoping for a European qualification, even the Champions League there, I say. But now, of course, things are not going there well. So now does the attention turn a little bit more in the FA Cup because you're so much closer to maybe getting a trophy or do you prioritize the other side? Injuries, of course, haven't helped. You mentioned Danny Inks, you know, since returning from injury, like you said, he really hasn't been scoring. And by the way, there are external factors, uh, just the very fact that I think they're trying to renegotiate his contract as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot going on. But, you know, in a way, Wolves is the perfect opponent to face right now because they Mm -hmm. can't buy a goal. They just, you know, Raul Jimenez, you mentioned Diogo Jota as well, leaving as well, I think just completely, you know, uh, sort of yeah, uh, yeah, shortened sure. their creativity uh, behind the striker. And Pedro Neto, as good as he is, you know, all you got to do is just push him to his right side. And then, you know, things become a little, Adama Traore is not quite the same player. So this is kind of the opponent that you want. But the fact that they're facing each other twice in the same week, what do you prioritize? I would imagine that Hassan Hutzel is going to really rotate, but the same with Wolves probably, especially since they're looking to, you know, at this very moment, it's not like, you know, they can guarantee themselves even staying in the Premier League right now. I know that there are worse teams, but they're not doing well at all. So, you know, what are the lines here and what else do you have for me for this game? No, I would just say that the FA Cup always seems like a nice place to take a deep breath and almost feels like a fresh start. You're like, hey, we're here. It's not the league. You know, we, we, not that you can take risk, but you can, you can approach it in a different way where you're not feeling the, the anchor of, wow, we haven't been playing well. We've lost five straight. It's, good, it's a chance to kind of hit the switch. Maybe, maybe let's win this one. Let's have some fun with it. And maybe we can carry that fun into the next match. <laughs> Fortunately, they play each other twice, which is pretty funny. I don't know. I keep seems to, that seems to keep happening uh, right now in the, in the schedule. I know. It's like the FA Cup gods were like, eh, we're yeah. going to just make it really annoying for It, it really is annoying. But I'll say ultimately this game's a bit of a coin flip because you, to both of our points, you just don't know which version of these teams is going to show up and which players are going to show up and score goals because both of them desperately need some timely goals and obviously to play some stout defense. I like... I like Wolves' defense better than I like Southampton's right now. And I think that is what makes me think they're going to win 1-0. I think it's going to be really tight. I would say that the, the straight-up lines, that this is probably the best bet. So I don't know how you guys are leaning. Obviously, you can go the full 90 minutes. Uh, that, that would be the draw. Plus 135 for Wolves to win. Okay, The draw is plus 225 after 90 minutes. And then Southampton wins plus 215. I just – Wolves are the slight favorite, as you can tell. I like Wolves to win. Because of the defensive stuff, I just think they're a little bit more organized. Southampton seems all over the place. The confidence is low, I think, on that end of the ball, too. Gave up 12 goals in the last two games. That'll do it, too. So there's another bet that I like. If you guys want to get into the exotics, I think it'll be 0-0 after half. And then I think Wolves are going to sneak one late and win 1-0. And that pays plus 450. If you say even at half, Wolves win second half. I, I like that value a lot. That That's the vibe I've got going for today. I just think it's going to be tight. There's no real value in the under, you know, it's hard to know who's going to score for them because it could be a handful of players. So I just try to think more team specific for you guys when it came to some lines. No, that's a very good point about uh, the defensive resiliency of Wolves as well. I mean, in the fourth round, they, I mean, yes, it was Chorley, but they won one nothing. Then they tied against Chelsea, nil-nil in the Premier League. Then they lost one nothing to Wolves and that goal they conceded against Arsenal. But after that, you know, again, nil-nil against Leicester City. So you would imagine that, not many goals in this one, and they'll just take advantage of uh, quite a down-ridden Southampton. All right, there's another game, by the way, in the FA Cup, and that is Barnsley facing Chelsea. What do you have here? So this one's interesting. Barnsley are mid-table. They uh, 
they're unbeaten in their last three, but they're all draws in the championship. They're nine points off the last promotion playoff spot. They got a lot of work to do. I'm not the biggest fan of Barnsley, but here they are. And they still have to, Chelsea still has to go out there and do the business. So with regard to Chelsea, they've won three straight under Thomas Tuchel, obviously making some lineup changes throughout just when he took over. Some things are definitely working. I thought he put a lot of experience in the back. I think we've discussed this with Aspilicueta and Rudiger and Thiago Silva. Silva's out though, so I suspect that uh, maybe they go to a back four. It's hard to know if he likes the back three with the two wing backs or if he's going to go for the traditional back four. Thomas Tuchel, everybody, he's not, not showing his cards, so it's hard to say. However, there are some fun facts that I think everybody should know. One, the two times Barnsley have played the, the Chelsea, the Blues, in the FA Cup, they've beaten them. Uh, 4-0 in 1989 and 1-0 in the 2008 quarterfinals. So they got history on their side. So they got that going for them, which is nice. However, Chelsea, the other fun fact, have only lost twice in their last 54 outings to lower division teams in this competition. Barnsley was one and Bradford City was the other. And I just feel like given the talent on Chelsea's squad, even if they rotate their squad, which I expect, those guys who are still trying to impress Thomas Tuchel are going to be frothing at the mouth to go out there and do the business. Yeah. Tammy Abraham, Tammy Abraham has five goals and three assists in his last six FA cup, last six FA cup starts. So I suspect he's going to get the start. He's got the, he got the nice vibe for, for uh, this competition in particular. It's hard though, to find some value for you guys. Cause Chelsea are such heavy favorites and all their players are such heavy favorites in the individual stuff. So I wanted something crazy. You guys you humor me here, Luis. Over, well, I, I'm going over two and a half goals. Okay. And four to six cards being shown. They can be yellows or whatever. That's plus 450. However, if you think it's going to be chippier than that, because FA Cups get emotional, they get a little chippy. If you have over two and a half goals, I think Chelsea's going to score three goals. If you get over two and a half goals and over six cards, it's plus 1200. That's wild, dude. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, so the other one was if it's under those four, uh, four cards and over two and a half goals, it's minus 110. That's not as fun. Like we, we want to make you guys like win some money, not, not necessarily lose money, but just like eh, play it straight up. So I have that one. I have Chelsea over two and a half goals themselves over two and a half goals plus plus one twenty. That's okay. And then Hakeem Zayak, I think we'll start this one. I have him over one shot on target. So he has to have two shots on target plus plus one thirty. The guy likes to shoot, likes to shoot from anywhere. He just has to get put two. pepper the goalkeeper twice and you, and you, you get some money. So I like that one too. Well, we just have a, a piece from CBS Sports saying apparently Tuchel was like, he loves Ike. He still needs to adapt despite the creator's hmm. uh, swift start. So we'll see what that means. If he, you know, he'll do, you know, if that will like amp up Zayek for tomorrow. I think you're right on in terms of, this is going to be very physical, this game. Barnsley is going to be right up for it. But in a way, it's a perfect storm because... You don't want to meet a Premier League side with a new manager who has a deep squad who's looking to prove themselves to their new head coach. And I feel like that's going to be a major factor. I don't know. It's going to be, I, there's definitely going to be at least six bookings in this one, whether the yellows or reds. It's going to be physical. I just feel that it's going to be one of those. Uh, but I still obviously give uh, Chelsea the win. Oh, uh, yeah, no question. No question. All right. Let's finish off with Copa del Rey. Athletic Bilbao, Marcelino's Athletic Bilbao against Levante. A good game on Thursday. What do you have here, Jimmy? So with this one in particular, it's interesting because right now we're talking about Athletic that went in the Spanish Super Cup and knocking out Madrid and Barcelona along the way. They're now in the Copa del Rey semifinals. They got a new manager. Everything seems to be going the right way. But they're only 11th in the table. And they're a little uneven in the league. They're doing well in these cup competitions, but 
not necessarily killing it so far. Levante are actually two spots ahead of them in ninth. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're unbeaten in their last five. And they are really coming to life in a way that I was surprised. I was doing some research. I'm like, okay, Levante, I see you. And Levante has to be thinking about, just like I'm sure Athletic is too, hey, there's no Madrid clubs. Uh, Barcelona, probably not the same Barcelona. Sevilla is pretty good. They can face either one of those two clubs in the final. We could probably do it. In a one-off, we can knock those guys out. I feel like there's some belief that maybe Levante can, can find here. But Athletic might be seeing the same thing. They're also in the Copa del Rey final from last year that hasn't been played yet against Real Sociedad. They're playing that final from last year's Copa del Rey in April. So that would be kind of crazy if they were in both finals and playing them within like a month of each other. That would, I mean, obviously COVID has, has created a lot of crazy situations. And that's a, from a scheduling standpoint, that's super crazy. So I think Athletic have some confidence, obviously. You know, they have a chance to win last season's Copa del Rey in April and this season's as well. I don't know if they have enough. I think they're starting to be found out a little bit. They needed a 94th minute goal in the last round against Real Betis in this competition in the quarterfinals to take it to penalties. So they're just kind of doing enough. And Barcelona figured them out and beat them in the league. So I... I, I kind of want to go to Levante in this one. I, I want to get your thoughts before I get to the, to the lines that I like, but, but how are you feeling about this one in particular? Well, the only thing that I would add is that athletic Bilbao are pretty good at home, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they are, they are. They, they tied against Valencia. Uh, they did lose to Real Betis, but that was a way obviously, but they beat Hetafe five one. Then uh, the last one after that, well, they lost 3-2 to Barcelona in January 6th, but then won nothing against Elche before that. So at home, 2-0 uh, against Huesca even before that. So at home, they're pretty comfortable. But Levante is a very good team. They're very, uh, what's the word? They're very annoying. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, they, they just get in your way all the time. Like They, they yeah. don't try and get you get into a rhythm. And Marcelino loves his rhythm. He loves his flow, and that might be a little bit difficult, especially since he just joined. Um, so I think I think a Levante win is is a very realistic one. But you know, I think just because it's two legs and Athletic Bilbao wants to take full advantage of their home situation, they they need to absolutely not lose this. So I could totally see a draw here, right. uh, but I, I don't think they will lose this one. Uh, so one all, one all maybe. Okay. Okay. I'll give you those lines in a second. Something else everybody should consider is that Levante face Osasuna this weekend, a few days later. And Osasuna is uh, four points behind them in the table. Like that's how close it is there. Levante is, excuse me, five points. Levante's in ninth and 27 points and Osasuna's on 15th on 22. Yeah, big game. And, and the teams that are in 18th are on 20. I mean, it's crazy from, from, from ninth to 18th only separates there's there's uh, what 10 teams and there's seven points separate them so all those points in the league matter too and then you have athletic who have to travel to go face cadiz and cadiz third 14th on 24 points only one point behind them so yeah i get to your point i what matters we talked about this earlier what what which like with southampton what competition do you focus on and, and where do you give your love and attention so it'll be interesting to see i think that marcelino will go for it uh, and at least for this first leg and see if they can build up a lead. And if they can do that, they can just hang on against Levante in leg two. Yeah. I, 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 like, I like Athletic to win and both teams to score because Levante score a bunch of goals. They, they, they like to hit the back of the net. But Athletic, I think, will do enough. I see a 2-1 here plus 280 is for both teams to score and Athletic to win. If you go with a draw on both teams to score, as Luis suggested, that's plus 320. And if you think Levante somehow going to pull it out, 
uh, and both teams score, which I suspect both teams will, then Levante doing that will be plus 600. So a lot of good value there if you guys are really looking into this game. Or you could add it into a parlay, right? There's always some parlay options for you guys on William Hill, too. Parlay partay. <laughs> That's me. And by the way, we're going to be doing a lot of that as the Champions League and Europa League returns next week. Wait. You're going to get can't a wait. lot of us next week. Uh, and of course, before that, uh, Jimmy will be back for weekend preview as well because there's a lot of action this weekend. Jimmy Conrad, listen, man, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's not just a pleasure to have you, but I, it's an honor to call you my colleague, my friend. Uh, and uh, thank you so much once again for being who you are, my friend. Oh, I appreciate that. That's really nice. And, and uh, I know I've been wanting to work with you for so many years and kind of watching you from afar. So I'm glad that we get to do that together. And I feel like we're we're creating internet magic over here. So I appreciate you and I appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, let's keep growing this thing. And I tell you what, your wife and my wife are probably vomiting right now with all this <laughs> that we're getting. <laughs> thank Most you. Likely. Exactly. Yeah. Jimmy, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Hey, everybody, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. We're on Spotify and Stitcher, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Golasso. You can watch all our videos right there. You can listen to us on cbssports.com and make sure that you Google us. Uh, to listen to all the other episodes, we have had some fantastic interviews, including, of course, Becky Sauerbrunn, who we just interviewed this week regarding She Believes Cup and the United States women's national team. We have a special on Black History Month. Thanks to Tozen McKinney and Aaron West. We have so, so much to give you, including we can preview coming later this week. Thank you so much and have a great, great day. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.